16 games in the books, 16 more to go. Welcome in to the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. The 2023 big dance is already underway. We've already seen a couple of humongous upsets. Goodbye, two-seed Arizona. Goodbye, four-seed Virginia. What is going to happen on Friday? We'll get into that a little bit more. Thank you for finding us, however you did so, whether you're on the streaming tune-in channel or whether you are part of the podcast of College Basketball Coast to Coast, wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Last word on sports as well. Uh, Thank you for finding me off of a Thursday that, again, saw those upsets, but saw a couple of stalwarts really flex their muscle like Duke and UCLA. Uh, You you saw a couple of one seeds that maybe weren't at complete full strength, but they both got their win. Now, what's going to happen in their next matchup for Alabama and Houston, actually in the same arena in Birmingham? We're ready to talk about all of this for Thursday. Look ahead to Friday. And again, we will be here before games, after games, et cetera, on college basketball, coast to coast, all the way through the tournament, all the way to the final four in Houston and whomever ends up at the end of the road uh, coming later on in late uh, March and early April in the Lone Star State. Uh, Again, uh, I I had the privilege privilege of being in the Orlando Amway Center in Central Florida, about 70 miles from where I am, uh, because of other work duties with our friends at BetUS and their daily college basketball show. I could not get out of my home setup, get in the car, get the 70 miles through the traffic, and get to the arena until the Virginia Furman game was ending. I did get in the arena. I did get courtside for the final minute. Gee, do you think that was worth it? I think so. On a uh, on a Thursday that saw P.J. Pagese become a legend for the Furman Paladins with a three-point shot. Amazing uh, how uh, Virginia melted down in that moment with a fifth-year guard, a, a very experienced point guard off their national championship team, uh, creating uh, a- absolute mayhem uh, with his decision to launch the ball towards midcourt to no one in particular. And it leads to the three-pointer that they will talk about in the Furman basketball program for 50 years for beating Virginia like that. Furman hadn't won a tournament game in practically 50 years. So we're going to talk more about that. I also saw San Diego State firsthand impressively grind out Charleston in the final few minutes to advance. They'll now play Furman in the next round. Duke just manhandled Oral Roberts and Max Acemas in front of me. That was not a surprise. I had that one uh, all the way pegged including on the BetUS contest that we're doing where you're handicapping a game out of 16 games. My game out of 16 games to handicap was Duke laying the six points on Oral Roberts. So I expected them to have have their way, basically, with their size, et cetera, on Oral Roberts. That's what happened. And then Tennessee was impressive for most of the game with Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns. But Louisiana hung tough, kept it close, low-scoring game, but Tennessee survives without their star point guard, Zakai Ziegler, who's out for the rest of the year, torn up knee. Volunteers got it done. Now they'll play Duke in the next round. So that's the four games I saw in Orlando. We're going to get a lot from our analyst, Mark Wise, uh, my analyst, the ESPN uh, TV analyst, SEC Network TV analyst, former Purdue and South Florida assistant. He was in the 1980 Final Four with the Purdue uh, Boilermakers the last time the Boilers were there. Mark will have insight from Orlando from being with me on these games and what else we saw around the tournament from the SEC teams. Uh, like Missouri, who won, like Arkansas, who won on Thursday. Get Mark's thought as well on 
the upset of Virginia on how good Duke looked in Orlando. Mark's coming up in a bit. Also, Jason Powers will be back here. Powers on Sports is his podcast. Jason has great insight on all things in the South in particular. And Alabama and Auburn both winning in Birmingham in separate brackets. Bama winning without Brandon Miller, one of the top players in the country, scoring a point. What was going on with that? I didn't get to see a lot of that game because of the of the craziness in Orlando that was going on. I saw some. I've seen some highlights and read some accounts. I guess he's got a little bit of an injury. We'll get Jason's thoughts on that. Plus, Houston, speaking of injured, is injured as a one seed. They had problems on Thursday night with Northern Kentucky. Uh, Auburn, however... Uh, pulled away from Iowa in the final couple of minutes and won decisively, outplayed them. So now we get that Auburn-Houston matchup in Birmingham, a nine seed only an hour away campus-wise from the arena. We'll have fans in the building to play a one seed Houston on Saturday. We look forward to that. And then you've got all of these games that are coming as well on Friday. We cannot wait for 16 more of them in the barrage uh, as uh, as everything unfolds, USC and Michigan State will start it off. It's a 9 a.m. game on the USC body clocks for Southern California, noon Eastern time in Columbus, Ohio, to kick the day off. We will have an avalanche uh, of the rest of the action all the way up to Arizona State and TCU playing at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific in Denver, Colorado. That's the last of the 16 games. And in between that, you've got a two-seed like Marquette, a three-seed like Gonzaga, uh, a three seed like Baylor, a three seed like Xavier, all of these teams in action. Purdue as the top seed will be in Columbus uh, with Fairleigh Dickinson as the one seed. What about my Memphis Tigers? Da, 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 da. Go Tigers, go. The Tigers uh, battle uh, against Florida Atlantic. A great story. The only time that Florida Atlantic's ever been ranked in the top 25, they won the conference tournament in Conference USA. Now they'll play Memphis. These teams will actually be new conference rivals when Florida Atlantic moves to the American Athletic Conference next year. That's the 8-9 game against each other, the winner to likely play Purdue. Of course, after yesterday, you never know. Uh, just ask Arizona, who loses again as a 15 seed. They lost 30 years ago to Santa Clara as a 15 seed. They have also previously lost uh, to a 14 and a 13 seed in this tournament. Uh, so Arizona getting a dubious distinction for losing to a lot a lot of low, low-seeded teams in the NCAA tournament and program history. Now, you got to get there and have a high seed, but Tommy Lloyd and Arizona completely outplayed by Princeton. So you know, you never know what can happen with a two-seed. Uh, now, two-seeds, UCLA and Texas had little to no trouble. What will happen uh, in these matchups with Purdue, with Marquette, the higher-seeded teams? Uh, we'll see what Gonzaga uh, has in, in their matchup with Grand Canyon, Marquette playing Vermont. Uh, Baylor could have some problems with Cal Santa Barbara in that game coming up in Denver, and that's an earlier start, too. Santa Barbara's got a couple of long athletic players, including a transfer from Cal uh, in a Power 5 school. Let's see what happens there. So all of that is coming on Friday, one game after another, and I love that Iona-UConn matchup. More on that coming up. I saw that Iona team out of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, Rick Patino's team, against a UConn team that can be hot and cold, including in the tournament. That game coming up on Friday afternoon in Albany, New York. So we're ready to talk about all of this. Let's get to our guests and get to one more Friday preview as the show rocks on. 
Always great to hang with the coach, Mark Wise. All right, so you and I have hung out in Orlando for the opening round, and, man, we had a thriller right away with Furman and a last-second three that pushes them through. It is the first NCAA tournament win in some 49 years. You want to uh, let everybody know you were not covering that Furman team in 1974. A lot of fun to watch that game, though, with Virginia. They were the epitome of the hang-around team. Uh, they were down in the first half. They were down in the second half. And we can always dissect what happened at the end of the game, but the coach in me goes back to about midway in the second half when it looked like Furman was in trouble, Bothwell was in foul trouble. And Bob Ritchie in his post-game comments that we watched here in Orlando admitted that they played this 1-3-1 zone about 15 times the entire year and thought a couple of days ago that it might come in handy because they wouldn't have to guard all the action, um, offensively speaking, or from the matchup perspective. So they went to that 1-3-1, got a lot of mileage of out of it, and it really changed, I thought, the tone of, of Virginia's offensive attack. They weren't in rhythm the rest of the game. Well, and you hate for a career for Kihei Clark to end like that. I mean, the kid won a national title in 2019, but he just throws the ball almost like uh, a pin had been pulled on the grenade. Let me get rid of it. And they catch it, and they hit the three, and in one failed swoop, it's heartbreak. Yeah, in terms of a bad play, you know, if you're going to get in that situation, they're like four or five really bad decisions he just happened to choose the worst one in terms of getting tied up or getting a violation even if he had done that Furman still had to come back and score but because of the turnover it led to a scattered defensive possession on Virginia's end and even though you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't at the arc it was a good two three four feet beyond the arc it was a good look and again, I reiterate, I had just, from driving from Tampa, gotten in the arena, gotten to the seat just about a half, probably two minutes maybe uh, total before that shot took place. My timing was good on that, and Furman moves on. They'll play San Diego State, who had to gut out a win over Charleston. Charleston Valiant, a 30-win team in the regular season. Um, uh, Bradley was outstanding down the stretch, yeah. making big shots for San Diego State. And I kept saying to you, they keep winning games the last few years by grinding out a game in the 50s and they did it here in Orlando, 3,000 miles away from San Diego. Well, there, there's no question their defense is their calling card. Uh, they've got the length and strength to play it well. They do it very well in, in terms of their man-to-man. I just thought Charleston, who, who was also a hang-around team and had finally caught San Diego State with two or three minutes to go in the game, uh, their shot selection got shaky. And as a result, San Diego was able to gut out what you called a, a grinded out win. Uh, but that's typical of San Diego State. That's the way they want to play. Uh, that's the way they'll want to play uh, continuing on in this tournament. Yep, they get Furman next on Saturday, and that was the first win for San Diego State in the tournament since 2015. The Mountain West had lost 11 games in a row as a conference over the last few tournaments. They needed that San Diego State uh, win. All right, you worked the SEC mark-wise throughout the year. We also saw a couple of wins earlier in the day by Missouri over Utah State. Also separately in another region, Arkansas defeats Illinois. Just a, qu- a couple of quick thoughts on those two wins by two teams you've seen a bunch well let's work backwards because i've said with nick smith jr back for arkansas it takes their talent to a different level Uh, they have final four talent there's no question about that Um, they just haven't put it together for any consistent period of time and nick smith has only been back in the lineup the last 
three weeks of the season. So they're still trying to work that out. This is a bad time of the year to be trying to work things out. Missouri, without question to me, is the surprise team of all in the SEC. I thought Dennis Gates should have been SEC Coach of the Year. And I get, again, Jerry Stackhouse, you probably should could say that he was coach of the back half of the SEC season and Buzz Williams was probably the coach of the year for the SEC season but from start to finish Missouri got off to that great start got spanked in the non-conference by Kansas but then came back and beat Illinois Hanley started conference play by beating Kentucky at home so I I thought start to finish I thought Dennis Gates was um, uh, coach of the year. I mean, Kobe Brown is just a matchup nightmare. You, do you put a big on him to match his physicality? He'll take you outside. Do you put a smaller uh, person on him to kind of um, match his versatility? Well, then he'll take you inside and punish you. So one of the guys, one, one of the phrases that I've used all year, TJ, is playing up. There's been a, a, a we, we know there are 2,000 transfers that play every year, it seems like now. But the, from guys outside the power, whatever conference you want to talk about, um, that are played up and have played up and have been really successful, Demoy Hodge from Missouri, who came with Dennis Gates from Cleveland State, I think he made five threes in the game. Uh, he's part of that rebirth that Missouri has done, and it's been a marvelous run, and they're still playing. No doubt. And Arkansas, by the way, will get Kansas on Saturday. Oh, good. The top seed. There's still no Bill Self at coach there. All right. So one more. We got to look at Duke yeah. on Thursday night. Up close and personal court size, uh, court side size, length, Filipowski's talent, Roach uh, as the guard, lively, uh, very, uh, very active uh, with the long arms. Just give me an assessment on Duke and what you see out of them in person moving forward. I thought there were two things. One is you just don't understand the length they play with in terms of starting two seven-footers, all the freshmen. By the time you get to March, guess what? They're not freshmen anymore. They're they're basically sophomores. Um, But the length that they play with, I think Roach has gotten much more comfortable in his role as a lead guard. And then their depth, it's almost like they start one way with all this length and strength, and then they come in with shooters. So one of the things that I thought we saw in the ACC tournament, you know how much I like teams that can beat you in different ways. Can you win a game in the 60s? Can you win a game in the 80s? I think that's what Duke has learned here late in the season. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah, they're coming on. There's no doubt. We'll see what happens with them. Listen, I always love getting with you. You and I hook up here in the middle of the Sunshine State. A lot more hoops to go this weekend. Uh, Let me bother you again later in March, please. Absolutely. And if today is any indication, the madness is only going to get worse. Or better, depending on your point of view. The conversation continues again in a moment, but first let's tell you about our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. If you are looking to go to any of those NCAA tournament sites this weekend, whether that's all the way up in Albany, New York, all the way out to Sacramento, California, or anywhere in between from Birmingham to Columbus, Ohio, to Des Moines, Iowa, to Orlando, Florida, any of those locations, Think about using Ticket Smarter to get into those March Madness games. And the reason you want to do that 
is they've got a 100% guarantee on customer service satisfaction and your purchase and the most competitive prices on the secondary market as well. Just find Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter mobile app, and we're going to make it worth your while as well. Take $10 off your order with our promo code HOOPS23. That's HOOPS23 for $10 off your order, and you can use this as many times as you want with Ticket Smarter and the mobile app. Again, you've got great customer service. You've got a 100% guarantee. The most competitive prices on the secondary ticket market for all these great games. The mayhem of March and the madness, not just here, but the Sweet 16 Elite Eight round that's coming. Final Four in Houston. Remember Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We want you to think smarter, ticket smarter, and take $10 off with our promo code HOOPS23. Great stuff from Mark. And again, one more time, follow him at MWHOOPS. Uh, for his insights on Twitter and Mark again with all the SEC network and ESPN network coverage throughout the year. SEC had a pretty strong day on Thursday. Let's see what happens. Kentucky's got that game with Providence on uh, Friday night in Greensboro uh, out of the SEC teams that are uh, in action coming on Friday. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, a lot of them advanced on in particular, the higher seeded teams, uh, like Alabama had some success. Now, Texas A&M did not. I was high on them, but, uh, man, Penn State ran them out of the building uh, with the way that they played um, on Thursday night, continued the hot shooting that we saw at the Big Ten tournament. But teams like Arkansas moved on, Missouri moved on, as well as Auburn getting the win. So the SEC obviously flexed its muscle. Let's continue more on the SEC theme, more on what UCLA did on Thursday night to UNC Asheville Let's get into that right now. As mentioned, here he is, the host of Powers on Sports, the podcast, Jason Powers. He's also been filling in with my buddy Mike Grace on uh, radio stations and uh, on the internet on the Press Box show in the South this entire week. I should tell the audience, you've got uh, a lot of insight, and you were right on it on a lot of what was going on in Birmingham. First of all, 16 games in the books, 16 more coming up here on Friday um all right so let me hit you with a couple of them that we haven't talked about yet alabama scores a ton of points but brandon miller scores none of them give me a quick take on that on, on alabama advancing to play maryland i heard something that i did not had not heard before that apparently there he had a, he had a little bit of a groin injury coming out of the sec tournament that i i had not heard of so maybe that was part of the issue maybe part of the issue was all the media attention surrounding the situation and obviously they didn't need his points yesterday, but a, a little bit concerning that of of of, of all guys that doesn't sc- doesn't score, Brandon Miller's the one. I think I saw a stat first time in like twenty five years that a guy had scored, averaged over twenty points a game in the regular season and did not score in a in the, in the NCAA tournament. So he made a little history, How not the that? best history. And his team still won the game easily, which tells yep. you they've got a quality team. Now it's Maryland, not West Virginia, and a better matchup for Saturday. That's for sure. Also on that same floor. Speaking of banged up, Houston banged up as well. They they labored through a Thursday night win over Northern Kentucky, and now it will it will be the Auburn matchup that you've been talking about for the better part of six days since the bracket came out, you were on it early. And now we get that, that matchup thoughts real quick on both of those games. I think, I think Kelvin Sampson will rue the day. He allowed Marcus Sasser to play in that game Thursday night. You know, he injured him, re-injured himself early in that first half. I think it was a bad coaching decision. He tried to justify it post game by saying, well, it was the trainer and Marcus Sasser's decision based on his health. 
baloney. You got to tell Marcus Sasser you're not playing Thursday night and save him for Saturday. He may not have been ready for Saturday, but he for sure is going to be very compromised and probably not going to play Saturday. Auburn, we all talked about this after the tournament. The home game they're going to have on Saturday afternoon at the BJCC Legacy Arena. They played well. Their guards played well. They made threes. If they make threes, they got enough size with with broom in the middle. They're going to give Houston all they want on Saturday afternoon, and they very easily could win that game. Yep, and bust that bracket. We already saw Arizona get beat as a two seed, and there could be some more mayhem coming Friday as we talk with Jason Powers for a few more moments. Can I ask Getting you one real quick? Jay? Yeah, please go ahead. You were in the you were in the building in Orlando. What is Tony Bennett doing? Not calling a timeout uh, there. I, everybody wants to know, and as I said on my story uh coming in i came into the arena in the final minute of that game where teams were taking timeouts i got in my seat right out of that timeout uh after after that uh little sequence and then i don't know what uh kihei clark was doing firing that ball all i mean again as as mark wise said you got about four bad things that could happen the worst catastrophic thing that could happen is what he did even Man. if you turn it over out of bounds, obviously, Jason, that's right there. They still have to inbound and make a shot. Yes. Instead, you lob it to the middle of the floor. You have a broken play, and you get what you get. I, I don't have an explanation there. And again, Virginia comes up short with another uh, uh, memorable, in a negative way, loss in the NCAA tournament. Okay, so as I was coming back from Orlando, as the Tennessee game was ending, I did not really get to see a lot of UCLA. Now you and I saw UNC Asheville and the game got out 14, nothing for UCLA late night, Thursday, Eastern time, prime time in the West uh, against Asheville. Just give me a quick thought on, on how good they look at UCLA and moving forward. They played really well. They jumped out 14 nothing. You could just see the difference in athleticism and guard play. The Asheville guards could not handle the the, the pressure from, from uh, Tiger Campbell and company. Drew Pember, good player, but he was just overmatched with Jaime Jaquez, the big guy for UCLA, who's not known to be a scorer, scored six or seven quick points in that game, and Pember really struggled. You could just tell the difference in athleticism and, and uh, talent between UCLA exactly and, and right. Asheville. You, just you, like you mentioned to me, uh, <laughs> you mentioned to me on text, we were talking about uh, Toto's not walking through that door or something like that. You made said, a comment. I said, you're not playing against Campbell, High Point, and Longwood anymore, Toto. You're playing yes. against UCLA. Yeah. I and mean, you're all the way out in Sacramento. And Pembers may be NBA talent, but by himself, it, it wasn't going to be enough. And I saw the same thing firsthand with Oral Roberts. You're not playing the Summit League against North Dakota State yep. and those teams uh, anymore. You're playing against Duke, who's big, who's talented, who's power five. Um, uh, there is no doubt. And, and obviously Penn State cooled off Texas A&M. We had games going everywhere. All right, real quick comment. Friday, we got 16 more games. Give yep. me a game or two that stands out. I know my Memphis Tigers don't play till tonight in the 8-9 game with the winner uh, likely to get Purdue. Do you have a game or two that stands out? We're both big on yes. Iona against UConn. What else? Real quick in the Friday preview. A lot of people are worried about Miami. We don't know what the situation is with uh, the, the big man from Miami. Is he going to play? Probably not. Probably not going to play. I'm going to guess. Can Miami's guards take him over the hump against Drake? A lot of people like Drake in that game. And then I'll give you one more. St. Mary's VCU. A lot of people like VCU. Yep. You know, St. Mary's is that methodical team that just that's a good defensive team and methodical. Can that style of play 
speed, a frenetic pace that you're going to see out of VCU. It'll be very interesting to see the styles of play in that game. And we'll see teams like Marquette as a two seed, Gonzaga as a three seed, uh, Baylor and Xavier as three seeds. They're all in action on Friday. We'll see what happens. Jason Powers, you're always great to join me. JPO Sports is where you find him. I always love having you on college basketball coast to coast. Let's do this again soon. The madness resumes soon with 16 more on Friday. Thank you, sir. You got it anytime. And again, follow Jason Powers at JPO Sports. Jason Powers for the Powers on Sports podcast. I love his insight. We'll get him back on college basketball coast to coast as well. Again, that UCLA team looked good. They'll now play Northwestern, who was a winner over Boise State. Uh, that coming up in Sacramento on Saturday. Interesting battle there. Big 10, Pac-12. And uh, the Bruins with still some pieces of that Final Four team with Jaquez, Tiger Campbell. They've got injuries. Again, Houston banged up with injuries. You want to be as healthy as you can be this time of year. We'll see what happens with UCLA. And Asheville just didn't have a lot for them, uh, that's for sure. All right, let's get into it with 16 more on a Friday. Again, Michigan State and USC will start it off. It goes all the way through to the final game of TCU and Arizona State. Is Kent State maybe going to upset Indiana in the game in Albany, New York? What's going to happen with Miami and Drake? A lot of people love Drake out of the Missouri Valley to pull the 12-5 upset in that game. Uh, we've touched on a couple of others. What will happen with Marquette and Vermont? Vermont has previously stunned Syracuse out of the Big East over a decade ago in the NCAA tournament as a 14 seed. Vermont a 15 seed with Marquette, an afternoon game in Columbus, Ohio. VCU St. Mary's, like Jason was mentioning, that could be a 12-5 upset. All of these games getting underway uh, coming on Friday. Xavier Kennesaw State in action. I mentioned Baylor Santa Barbara in the afternoon. Baylor and Santa Barbara playing in Denver. Uh, again, UCSB, the Big West uh, automatic bid. Uh, Pitt won a first four game. They will play Iowa State uh, coming on Friday. NC State and Creighton as well. We mentioned Fairleigh Dickinson against top seed Purdue in Columbus. My Memphis Tigers playing Florida Atlantic after that in Columbus. Uh, and also Gonzaga, Grand Canyon, Kansas State, Montana State. 16 more games, all of them coming Friday. We will whittle things down by the time Friday is over with to having just 32 teams left. And after Sunday night, we'll have just 16 teams left. So the barrage continues. And we appreciate you being with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast, whether it's the live tune-in channel, uh, streaming the show on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Just look under uh, College Basketball Coast to Coast. Uh, on TuneIn's college sports coverage or college basketball coverage, this show will be there streaming and in podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Last Word on Sports as well. LastWordOnSports.com, LastWordOnSports.com slash podcast. you find us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. For now, for my guests, Mark Wise and Jason Power, 16 in the books, 16 more to go on Friday. We'll be talking all about it. Get ready for the mayhem to resume throughout Friday and Friday night. We're back to talk more about it this weekend on College Basketball Coast to Coast. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the mayhem and the madness of March. We're back soon on the nation's college basketball show and podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast.